Well. Hello, it is Mike and Robin for what is supposedly a, a host show for all the four hosts, but <laughs> Wayne and Crystal are not on yet, so if they come in, they'll join us, and I just opened the show with some outro music, so it's uh, it's a good start. It's all about endings today. Robin, first of all, I should, should say hi. How are you today? I am, uh, I am good. I'm, um, I'm feeling somewhat festive today. Are you? I, I I'm feeling kind of bummed out. I went out and tried to buy um, eggnog to drink during the show because it's our our end of the year and holiday show and that. Um, and I just got word from Crystal and Dwayne that they will not be joining us unfortunately. So it'll be Robin and I. Um, yeah, I know I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, but but no eggnog today. So no no <laughs> no festivities here in the office. Um, when I said the show is all about endings. Um, we we were going to do a show, I think, about a couple of endings, the end of the year 2019, but even yep. more, uh, even more uh, big, I guess, or more looming behind that is the end of a decade. And we thought we would, rather than try to do what are, you know, what's your takeaways from 2019 and what's your predictions for 2020, we thought we would try to talk about what the last 10 years have meant for the human resources community and uh, maybe a little bit about where the, t- the next 10 years might take us. So, um, so we were going to do that with four and we have two, so that'll be okay. I have a list and Robin has a list. So Robin, you want to, yep. you want to share one of your thoughts as, as the beginning of this show about endings? Yeah. And um let me let me toss the first one out because it really does kind of start at the beginning, um, and kind of the nexus of drive-through HR in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think back, you know, ten years ago, um, and really to be fair, it was more circa two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But by two thousand nineteen, you know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, um, we were getting. Uh, you know the HR, the greater HR community had a handful of people um, that were starting to dip their toe into uh, social media, and I say social mm-hmm. media, which encompasses everything. It was, of course, the start of drive-through HR. It was the mm-hmm. start of HR Happy Hour, um, another, you know, super long-running and successful podcast, um, still going strong. Yay, Trish and Steve for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, you know, 10 years ago was um, the first, you know, talent net. I was at the, which started as a Twitter chat. I was at the 10-year anniversary last week for talent net. Mm-hmm. Um, that started as a Twitter chat. Um, it's been the 10-year anniversary of um, of True London It's in the last couple of months. It's been the 10-year anniversary of the very first HR evolution. And so there was this small um, but vocal um group of folks in in the HR space that were starting to get involved in social media and using it for their own, you know, personal connections and, and network building and connectivity. Um, but also there were a lot of people starting to really explore and be the voices of how social media could be used within HR, within our organizations, whether that be for recruiting, whether that be for, um, you know, a term that probably didn't even really truly exist then, but employer branding, 
but you know recruitment marketing things like that and there were there were a lot of people that were so hesitant um for a number of years i used to go to various assorted you know sure meetings and conferences and speak on the topic of why you in hr should get involved in social media mm-hmm. and i had so many so many hr practitioners that would um i mean literally like roll their eyes oh that's not going to go anywhere um oh my god no that's you know for the kids that's whatever um and now 10 years later it's it's almost a given mm-hmm. for a lot of hr professionals that they'll be involved online whether as themselves for their own development or on behalf of their organizations yeah. and that has been a i you know that's that's just not within hr that's a societal shift certainly um but 10 years ago there were still people that it's a, it's a flash it's not going to last you know you're crazy why are you out there why are you doing these things you hr lady robin um and uh, and now we you know personally and professionally i have a lot to owe to my involvement yeah. with social media yeah, and no doubt. you know a lot of us can speak to that i think um well i know like looking back for me on that time um, 2008, 2009 is, uh, you know, when, uh, Slash was running recruiting blogs, Jason Davis, right? Yep. And he yep. was, and, and it was, it, you know, I think, I think that there, I think there's a thread there that still holds true before I go on with that little story is it, I really think it was the recruiting and the, you know, and what is, you know, now you know, I don't know if sourcing existed in the form. It's certainly not in the form it does today because a lot of it is driven off LinkedIn and other, you know, tech platforms that they can mine for information that didn't exist 10, 15 yeah. years ago. Um, but, you know, um, I went to uh, Orlando to uh, take pictures for Slash. Uh, and that was wow. simply because he had a ticket that he couldn't use because he couldn't make the trip. And it was, I think it was the Kennedy, Connor, uh, it is, there, there used to be Kennedy and something else, and they're not even around anymore. Yes. But, um, and I met Marin Hogan and um, John Ingham and Lloyd Rudeman and George LaRock, um, you know, at this conference. And not, and not like they're, you know, we're all still tight, fast friends from that meeting. But I think it was the, I think the tech space, the recruiting space, you know, they were kind of using technology, especially social media and stuff, before the average HR practitioner was. But that was yes. where I kind of, I had started, I, I had started a blog. I think my blog is 11 years old now. And the first blog I the had. Human Resources. Just, yeah, in Human Resources. And the, I had another, you know, the, the Michael Vandervoort blog had been the Human Resources blog. And there was a, even a, there was an, a, even an earlier incarnation of a blog that I started where I was thinking about trying to write about great places to work. And mm. I did a few I did a few things. I was writing profiles of companies, but not really talking to people there. That's what I hoped it would grow into. And I got a, a cease and desist letter to stop talking about great places to work on my blog from the great place to work. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, okay, I'm, this blog is going to become history. And I switched over and started doing human resources because that was getting us a, a long legal cease and desist letter was a little scary yeah. for my a little blog, right? So, but I guess the point of that is, yeah, we, you know, and then the next, I, I also went to HR Florida that year and tweeted, and then the next year, Charlene Lauby 
you know, had, had me and Chris Dunn and uh, Lori and Jessica Lee there as the, I, what I think may have been the first ever blog team. Blog squad, in, yeah. In HR at a, at a at a state level conference. Anyway, I I, I don't know mm-hmm. of any. I've never I've never identified anything earlier. I mean, I I'm sure there were probably people blogging from some of those tech conferences and stuff like that, but it wasn't a yep. devoted effort, you know, until until HR Florida, and then that was picked up and, you know, by Illinois SHRM and a number of other uh, groups. And, and of course, finally, uh, Big SHRM National. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of the standard now it, for a lot of conferences. If you don't have some influencers, as they're known today, or bloggers, you're not really, you know, you're not really up in the game, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. big. Uh, so social media is definitely the underpinnings of a number of things, um, you know, over the next, over the last decade, for sure. Um I, th- I wonder, like, one of the things that I had put down was um, this notion of employee experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, like you, I used to talk a lot about social media, but I also talked about it a lot from the perspective of protecting your brand or, um, you know, how to, how to, you know, use it for positive employee relations and, you know, yeah. kind of be, you know, so you had the, the whole, the, during the Obama years, you had the whole NLRB uh, craziness going on where they, you know, they kind of made any word in the world okay to say in the workplace. Um, but on top, I, I think on top of that, um, as you said, companies kind of came in and started using, especially not just for recruiting, right, and not just for trying to, um, you know, to have a channel where people could send their resumes. They really started trying, started down a path for a while to develop, but they're really telling the story. So, you know, Crystal yeah. uh, would certainly talk about employee brand if she was here. I can't do it the justice she could. But I think the whole idea of the employee experience from the beginning to the end is a whole lot different today than it was 10 years ago, where it was mostly post and pray. And, you know, yeah. and then when you get it resumes, you know, don't call most of them back because you don't have time, right? I mean, it was, yeah. I think employee experience, especially coming in, 10 years ago was pretty terrible compared to not for not universally, but managed badly by a lot of companies 10 years ago, more so than it is today. Cause you can't really afford to give an employee that right. experience today. Right. Cause right. I mean, there's they have too many choices. And I think the other, you know, the aspect of that, another aspect of that that has changed um, is the, the, the emphasis on the employee experience. So it's, once they're actually employed. So, you know, we kind of started, again, it, I, you know, I, I I think a lot of innovation and um, conversations around um, changes for people in the workplace start with our friends in, in TA and recruiting, um, whether that be tech, whether that be, <clears throat> as we've talked about, you know, use of social media. But, you know, so we kind of started with, let's talk about the candidate experience. Where I've seen the shift coming um, faster and faster now is truly looking at that experience all the way through that that employee life cycle. So, okay, yeah, there's great engagement and groups and and uh, storytelling and brand building to the candidates, and now companies are realizing um, and get getting much better at. Once that person comes on board, how do we continue that through? And so 
tying in some of the technology over the last decade into that is think about the rise of within organizations the use of um, and I'm not even going to call it HR technology, it's work technology, um, <clears throat> but internal channels, internal tools that companies use to continue that that consistent experience, you know. Um, and again, it's it's oftentimes HR is, you know, kind of the architect of that, um, you know, where you see companies using these, you know, fairly straightforward tools like Slack or something like that, but their eye is on, okay, these people work for us. How are we communicating, reinforcing our, our culture, reinforcing our brand? How are we making it a positive experience once they're actually working for us? And so let's it's it's tying in to some degree, you know, social tools. It's oh, there goes my phone. It's tying in um, it's tying in social tools. It's tying in technology. But with a with a sight line to what does that mean for the employee experience, and so it's um, that's a that's a shift, and I think people are HR people in general and organizations are not taking that for granted anymore. Like you said, they're the 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 view of it and the realization that we have to do these things. It's it's not just a, a good thing to do or plus, but we have to. Yeah. Um, I know you had one something similar to this in your in um, that we talked about in the pre-show. One of the things that I think we're seeing too is, um, ten years ago we we were we were we were not the short attention span theater society that yeah. we are today, right? And that and that includes I mean whether that's in your personal life or in your work life. Um, and so I think ten years ago. It was probably evolving then, but companies were much more comfortable with like once a year snapshots on all kinds of things. And I know uh, one I was thinking of is like the employee survey, your annual survey, right? You know, how do your how do your mm-hmm. people feel in <clears throat> in May of nineteen uh, of two thousand and nine, right? And then we'll check it again yeah. in May of two thousand and ten. <clears throat> Excuse me, I guess we both have a little bit of under the weather here going on. Um, yes. My voice is given out. Um, you know that that changed, <laughs> and you mentioned another one, I think, which was uh, performance, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and I think the two tie together. It 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 is it is exactly that. It's the um, the need for speed, I guess, maybe to yeah. to some degree. It's um, and it's a replication of our of of our consumer experiences that we have in our, you know, real lives and our not our work lives. Um, we want to give feedback uh, now. We want to get Do updates now. Do a Yelp review. Read a Yelp review. Um, yep. You know, I go I go through the airport and I come out the restroom and there's a, a kiosk with, you know, Happy or not, you know how was the how was how was your experience in the restroom? Um, yep. <clears throat> you know, so it's man, this is like the sick show. Um, so it it you know that that certainly is in place now within our organizations, and it and it does affect everything from how we how we view um, yeah feedback. You know, as an employee, or you know, as an employee, I want that feedback. Now, when I just mm-hmm. did something good, bad, or indifferent, um, mm-hmm. as a manager, I'm 
getting more and more accustomed to giving that feedback now. Um, mm-hmm. And then that ties into the, yeah, the survey stuff. A year from now, you know, I might have a totally different workforce. So if I do a survey now and compare it to survey data next year, the world has changed so much. Right. What, what am I right. comparing? Um, we see a lot of pulse surveys and, and sort yeah. of like quick online, you know, using artificial intelligence to assess the mood of the workforce at any moment, you know, at, by, by viewing, yep. viewing emails for negative words or, I mean, you know, there's, so some of that stuff is, is very cool. And some of that stuff I think is, is very scary The you know, the, the technology applications that are available to us today, you know, to monitor, monitor employees every second and, you know, how fast they're walking and when they're in the bathroom and, you know, that's, a, yeah. that's another thing that, um, I mean, companies used to do it with their, their, their human workforce, their human managers. Right. And, right. you know, and employees would hide and managers would look for them and all that kind of stuff. Now in a lot of, in a lot of workplaces, you know, you're pretty much know where you are at any given moment with your badge or, or that kind of thing. And that, I mean, that, that has some interesting, you know, productivity uh, benefits, I think for the organization, but it also sort mm-hmm. of hounds the workforce and, you know, maybe put some tension on that, that didn't work. So I, um, I wanted to go back for one second. I, you know, and I know it's 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 been around so long. Not it's not for a decade, but it's been around for so long. It's almost boring. Is, is the is the need for speed, as you called it? Do you think that's a product of the of the you know the the different generations that we have in the workforce now? Because I think boomers were so comfortable with one year reviews and one year surveys. Um, I don't think millennials and Gen X and Gen Z. Um, think the same way in the workforce not to say they're different or bad just I think their expectation because they kind of grew up that way right we didn't you and I didn't but our our kids certainly did I um you know well and you know I uh, I hate ascribing any real you know characteristic to a to a generation (laughs) in in general um I I think that um it's just an it's just an evolution of how people work today, and so there are there are you know seventy year olds in the workplace that love and crave and want immediate feedback, um, and there are twenty two year olds that you know just leave me alone, and and I'm I'm fine with you telling me you know six months from now how I'm doing. I mean, so I think that I think generationally, you know, there. People are, are are too different to ascribe it to a generation, in terms of human beings. But I think the it's the era in which people have grown up. Yes, that's where the generational piece comes into it. Where if I'm a if I'm 23 years old, I, you know, and I'm in my first job, all I know through my interactions at school or um, you know, out in the, again, kind of the consumer world is immediacy. And, um, you know, if I just, if I just got out of high school or college, I never had to wait to get a paper report card every, you know, semester because my teacher was accessible or my professor was accessible online. Everything was transparent. I knew where I was. I I could go and see what what my assignments were. I could see what I'm doing. I could connect with the the other people in my class. It's just a different way of working that 
that people have grown up with now, and it's it's trickled okay. into then how we how we work. I hadn't even thought about that. Like when I was in college in the seventies, <laughs> um, we wrote still in those you know hand wrote uh, exams in those blue books and turned them in, and the professor yeah. took them and read them and wrote notes. And you would, you know, at the end of each semester, you would go down to the professor's uh, office where they normally weren't at and look to see yeah. if they had yet posted a list of the grades. Because that yeah. was the yeah. only way to get the grades was to get them hanging on the yeah. wall, right? There wasn't even yep. email yep. at that time. So, yeah, I had forgotten about that. But yeah. definitely, and it was very annoying to uh, <laughs> to have to, uh, mm-hmm. you, if you thought they were going to be there and it wasn't, you know, because then you had to go back later on or whatever, you know. And uh, yeah, so like now it, it's just it just goes out automatically, and you know what? You, you probably very quickly after you took the test on your computer for yeah. the most part. Yeah. So. Well, and, yeah. <laughs> and this is not to turn into the oh my god, look how old we are, but um, I've I've talked quite often to folks who are um, preparing for um, sort of HR certification exams, whether that be through yep. HRCI or SHRM or whatever, and. Um, you know, they get their results. I mean, it's been for a, well, a while now, certainly the last decade. You go and you test, and your results are immediate. You passed or you didn't. You're at the mm-hmm. testing center, and it pops up, you passed or you didn't. Uh, you know, back in the day, when I, you know, millions of years ago, when I did my PHR and SPHR, it was, um, it was paper and pencil, at the testing center and you turned it in and you waited six to eight weeks to get your results mailed to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that would never, people would die if, if that, if that was still. <laughs> Actually, we're losing proof that they wouldn't die, but yes, it, it, seems, well, yeah. very, it seems very archaic today, doesn't it? it looks yeah. back. Like I said, I hadn't even thought about the, the old exam process. Um, you and Crystal did a show uh, a couple of Friday or a couple, I think it was a Friday, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you did an off-cycle show about um, some corporate. I, I don't know if it was corporate social responsibility, but you did it around how how corporations handle their workforces in a, in a or, yeah. or something like that. And um, yeah. one of the topics I had with wasn't directly on point to that, but it was related, and that's this whole idea of corporate social responsibility, you know, mm-hmm, which is a mm-hmm. which most most companies have a have a statement and or a policy and some level of a plan. But ten years ago, having something like that was good enough for the most part. If, right. As long as you sort of had a plan and followed it, it didn't necessarily have to be robust. But again, in right. this in this of of instant journalism and you know online uh, petitions you know at raising issues and bringing them right straight into the CEO's office at many times the the idea of a corporate social responsibility program has has many companies have have had problems with that and there have been a mm-hmm. lot of issues over the last decade as corporations try to wrestle with I guess being you know not just capitalists making stuff and selling stuff so that they can make money for their stakeholders, whoever they may be, but also yeah. trying to be, uh, you know, a force for some level of good in the world. Right. And yeah. 
that that has become increasingly complex for a lot of the same reasons. I think some of the other stuff we've talked about has changed, but also I believe, you know, with with whether you you believe in global warming or not, because um, I know some don't. Um, you know, it, that we're faced with some really grave things happening in our you know in our world, and and you know companies are playing a part in that. So how they how they deal with that has changed quite a bit as well. Although that's not only yeah. an HR. Thing. Per se, but it is part of the it is part of your employment employer brand, I think, in the eyes of customers yeah. and potential employees. And then you see all the stuff in Silicon Valley recently. That's sort of the that's sort of the those are sort of the you know the the standard of you know the, the walkouts at Google or at Wayfair, which yep. is in Boston in Silicon Valley. I mean, employee activism, I guess, is is where that really the corporate social responsibility yeah. is. When your own employees start to rebel against you, you know, internally is really something yeah. companies haven't been, aren't prepared for. And, and most aren't, you know, they, they, they just don't know how to deal with that very well. Yeah. And I think, you know, it is, it, it, these, these things all intersect because it's, it, it is the, it's the rise of this as a um, differentiator for an employer um is directly tied to the 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 ready accessibility to information and social media and how people just have access to what's going on in news the news cycle whatever um and the, i think organizations it, it they have to pay attention to it it's a struggle um because from day to day the wind could shift and they don't know what's going to happen so i i think of one one organization that I've always um, that I, that I think was founded on um, a very good you know social platform and the beliefs of the founder and the beliefs of of uh, ultimately the co-CEOs was Whole Foods. And mm-hmm. I've had the chance to talk to a number of people, a uh, number of HR folks at Whole Foods over the years, and um, the way that they the way that they operate. Uh, the way they treat employees, all of those things very much embedded into it it's not just values on a wall it was the the you know the very soul of how the how the company started and so all of the things that they talked about sustainability of the planet and providing nutrition and well being for people i mean they really they they lived it they believed it everything they did that I could see they truly were supporting it and then things shift a little bit and and you know I'm not I have no inside information on this and I've not seen it but I've I've wondered if over the, the last couple of years since Amazon came in and purchased Whole Foods and while they seem to be letting Whole Foods kind of do the Whole Foods thing for the most part they are now part of Amazon mm-hmm. and Amazon rightly or wrongly you know by many people is seen as kind of the devil um you know we all order Amazon but you know it's like oh my god what are they doing and you know Jeff Bezos is evil, whatever. Um, how 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 do those two things coexist? You know, I think it's very interesting to think about that. And I would think that the marketing teams and the HR teams and everybody thinks about that because I could be an employee at at one organization and I'm acquired by another and it doesn't align with what I think I was signing up for. And so how do yeah. organizations deal with that because that's important to people um you know here in south louisiana we have a lot of um oil and gas you know chemical companies you know that's that's a huge 
piece of our economy. And so there's probably more Exxon Mobil ads and things running here than there are in other parts of the country. You know, in the Gulf <clears throat> Coast, there's lots of Exxon Mobil ads, as an example, talking about this is what we do, here's our employees, highlighting what a good, you know, kind of community partner they are. Um, and And without companies like that, our local economy would be devastated because it's what we're built on. Um, but I'm sure that they are just so tuned into, well, what's important? If we're attracting new young engineering talent to come work at our chemical company, what is our corporate social responsibility program messaging look like? It's not just enough to go out and say, hey, we're here, we're, we're creating cool products or we're refining gas or whatever. Their messaging talks a lot about this is how we are doing our part to care about the environment and we're building to the future. And They're really weaving in a story that I'm, I'm sure they did a lot of research on of what young you know, engineers want to work on or what sort sure. of organization. Um, going back to Whole Foods for a second, in another company that in 2010, 2009, 2011 was a darling um, you mentioned that Whole Foods. So Whole Foods, uh, John Mackey, you know, kind of is the is credited, you know, appropriately or not, with being the the inventor, if you will, or the, the you know the kind of the leader of the idea of conscious capitalism, yep. uh, which yep. is your point. He did a lot, you know, for the you know, and but John Mackey's also notoriously anti-union, and, you know, and a number of other things which are, aren't necessarily bad, but other some folks would disagree with that. So it's very much yeah. a libertarian believe, you know, and, and ran his company kind of that way. And, and for a long time, he ran it as his company. Um, now, yeah. as you said, owned by Amazon, you know, another another company that also is owned by Amazon is Tony Shea and Zappos. And I, you know, I, I was just thinking, of, I don't know if it was 2010 yep. or 11, and you may, you may have been at that conference at HR Florida where we had Tony Shea speak, um, you know, it, mm-hmm. he was doing his, he had written his book called Delivering Happiness, yes. right? And that was yeah. still He's when- road, road show. yep. Yeah, private equity, you know, you know, or venture, well, not private equity, but VC money was was what where Zappos was, and then it got sold to Amazon before Whole Foods did, and yeah. I think I think that um, well, I, I've seen I, I I have some access there, not heavy, not not that I'm an insider by or anything, I but I've had a chance to to talk to people there a little bit, and like one thing that Amazon did that was really interesting with both Whole Foods and Zappos is really let them run, not as standalone, but at, you know, they kept they kept the leadership, they kept the CEOs, which doesn't happen in mergers a lot, right? The CEOs yeah, leave, yeah. bought out. In both cases, Mackie and, and Tony Shea are still with the companies that they came into Amazon with, and still basically are running the company as they see fit, as far as you can tell from the outside, except that Amazon and, and with Zappos and Whole Foods, you know, added some uh, delivery capabilities and you know sort of the, the get your food for, you know delivered by Amazon two hours from Whole Foods yep. and all that stuff right um, so there you know there were certainly some some fingers in there to take advantage of those investments but they I you know it, versus calling Amazon sort of the picture of all evil which was sort of the flag that Walmart held for a long time but may have passed the torch on here recently um, you know they they I've seen where like uh, Zappos had the you know we'll pay people to leave. If you don't like our company, here's yeah. $2,000. Go away. Amazon does that yeah. now. 
So they, they've not only acquired the businesses and let them kind of run on their own, but they've also tried to bring in the, some of, you know, what they deem to be best practices, I guess, from those companies as well, rather than just sort of like buying them and, you know, tearing them down and their culture down. They've done a, an right. interesting balance. Uh, I know this isn't about end of the decade, but, you know, th- this is stuff that we might see in, in another 10 years, you know, with as, as mergers and acquisitions continue to happen seemingly all the time and huge ones, right? Like, like Sprint mm-hmm. and T-Mobile and $60 billion or whatever. Um, anyway, um, I'm, I'm kind of wandering around. I, it, it's just interesting <laughs> to watch. Cause I think, I think that that's a different sort of, um, I guess when I, the point of that, all that is, is that type of merger and acquisition that Amazon has done is a bit different than some of the others, which is usually buy a company and then immediately start changing leaders and kind of cutting yeah. out, you know, to get your money back. Amazon has a slightly longer um, vision for it seems anyway, at least on the way they ran. In my assessment of the way they ran Whole Foods and Zappos thus far, so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're down. We we're um, actually we went over thirty minutes. Um, you wanna? We've got about twelve yeah, minutes let's, left. Yeah, uh, let's let's keep it going. We got fifteen minutes yeah. left. Let's. Uh... At twelve oh six. Let's end the decade with a bang. Yeah. What, what's coming? What's what's coming a decade from now? I I I have to be honest. I have no idea. But <laughs> I um I think, <clears throat> and I think a, when I say what's coming, I think it's um it's my uh, I'm talking mind shifts more than I'm not going to talk tech or you know or flying around in co- robot cars or anything like that. Um, I think uh, I think one of the mind shifts that will solidify itself. So ten years from now, um, we'll have a totally different view of this. Is the thought we will finally understand um, the transient, if you will, nature of employment? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've started to. We're still in this sort of tension-filled time right now where we have um, some leaders, some HR folks, some recruiters, whatever, um, lamenting the fact that, oh, people don't stay at a job. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. we need to, you know, turnover is a major issue. Oh, my God, they only stayed here four years, not five, and five. You know, oh, my God, you know, that's horrible. Um, but we're starting to understand, and, and it's supported by data, and it's supported by, you know, like um, – the, the BLS information that tells us, you know, the average tenure this across all industries and everything, average tenure in a job is like 2.6 years. Um, that's the norm, and that's going to become more – we're going to shift our minds to realize that that's more acceptable. I think 10 years from now, um, we will have – we'll still talk about how do we retain – the key people in our organizations or how do we retain the people to do the work for our organizations? But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be our employees. So it's bringing in the gig stuff. Um, it, I think we'll also have a different thought process around um, the value of tenure or retention. Um, and we'll see it as sort of a much more fluid, you know, people will come and they'll, They'll 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 give us their skills for a period of time or on a project or um, you know for this little bit of time and then they're going to move on and that's okay and we'll 
will shift our minds to support that more, I think. So will that, does that include like issues like portable benefits and portable retirement? And yeah. Stuff that yeah. Do you think that will evolve heavily in the next decade? I, I think that, I think that will, I think it will have to, mm-hmm. um, you know, and part of that will come through, you know, cause everything's political, right. But, Part of that will come through upcoming elections, you know. Yep. Do we believe that, um, uh, you know, health insurance, as, you know, is the most glaring example, do we believe that health insurance should be tied to the employment relationship as mm-hmm. it is in our current model? Or do we, the collective, we believe that we should move to a more universal health care, Medicare for all NHS model, whatever we want to call it, um, mm-hmm. because you know if we do something like that, it frees up it frees up people to take their skills easier elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're they're all intertwined. Um, you know, a couple other things. I, I agree with you. I, I, I you know, I, I, I it seems like ten more years you have to figure some of the things out, right? Because right now it's yeah. it's all. Yeah map and it's very contentious and California has you know has has a is being sued in court because the, the the state passed a law that said most gig economy employees would be considered yeah. employees not 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 uh, not independent contract you know and that and and all the agencies in the government the NLRB and the DOL and OFCCP all have different standards. I mean, it's it's a mess right now. And then you have the, all the mm-hmm. state activities so that that has to get settled down at some point. Um, probably when the, this economy cools a little bit and people can stop and think about it, because right now a lot of a lot of companies and a lot of politicians just they're, they're deadlocked with yeah. a bunch of yeah. different things. Um, two other things we didn't really touch on, and we have I guess seven minutes. Uh, a huge thing, at least in the last two years, and I believe it was a, a bigger, a, a bigger. Pro- I'll, I'll say it this way: Me Too has been. A, a, it's like three years now, two, two and a half, three years, yeah. something yeah. like that, of this decade. It was a problem uh, for the for that entire decade. It just be, it just kind of rose up, seemingly out, you know, out of the out of the nowhere. Um, three years ago, and we still haven't struggled with it. But it's obvious now, looking yeah. back, that yeah. we we had problems all along, and and things still aren't better today. Apparently, and we just did a show on this, and I want to redo that show. But I, do you think because well, men and women and bosses and subordinates in the workplace apparently has never been something that companies can manage well? Do you think we'll get better at that in the next ten years than we've been for the last five decades or so? I think we will get better at it, and I'm going to toss another um, activist hashtag in there as well because I think there's some similarities um, um, between in these in these movements, and that's the Me Too movement, you know, hashtag Me Too, and the Black Lives Matter movement, hashtag mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. You know, because I think, well. yeah, exactly, because these things have brought to the forefront conversations that are important. Um, again. It's all intertwined. It's through the use of social media. It's through people having a voice. It's through people not being afraid to say something, finally, um, and um, you know, just opening up this this dialogue. Um, I think for the first time, um, you know, and I also have to be optimistic and say, yeah, things will get better, because at least we're talking about these things and these conversations 
around um, LGBTQ issues or Black Lives Matter or Me Too or whatever. Um, they're not just out in, um, you know, uh, being talked about at the corner pub or around the Thanksgiving dinner table. Right. They are infiltrating our organizations. And so HR mm-hmm. people and leaders have had to um, get thoughtful and have had to address um, the the voice of the people, really, and and have and start these difficult conversations for some, um, which is a good thing, you know. We'll yeah. we'll be we'll be in pain and ba- more band aids will be ripped off, but I think ultimately, um, yeah, I think ten years from now, I, you know, I think positively, um, we'll be in a much better place yeah. for. You know, in society, but also then in the workplace around any of those yeah. dynamics. I, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, four and a half minutes left. Other big topic. This is a trend that I think I'm seeing, but it's hard to tell. You know, a, the AI and the robots are coming for your job has been a discussion yeah. all this decade, and it, you know it's still uncertain. But what it seems to me is happening is it's less the robots or the artificial intelligence are coming for your job. I mean, certain jobs are going to disappear. They always do. Certain classes of yeah. jobs will disappear. But it seems to me as if it's moving or morphing a little bit from, you know, watch watch the sky. The sky is falling to, like, these technologies are going to help change your job, but it's going to help change the way you work and theoretically make yeah. it better or not. Is that the messaging that yeah. you see? And is that the, do you think that's the trend heading into the next decade? Yeah, I do, and I and I think there's you know it's kind of like that discussion. That discussion can either be really vast, where right. it's you know really vast, but then when you start stripping it down and say, well, what does this mean for a particular industry or for a particular type of job or a particular sized organization, then you start to get to the reality. And and there are lots of factors in that. There will be companies that will be way behind on that, that will not upgrade. They won't have the money or the resources to upgrade their technology. And so there will mm-hmm. be lingering jobs that are being done the old way or the way we're doing it yeah. now. But, you know, I think I think automation is certainly the biggest um, piece right now. Um, not so much the machine learning decision-making part, that's mm-hmm. that yeah that's happening but that's 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 vast enterprises right um hr tech vendors would have you believe otherwise but that's that's mm. out there um i think it's the automation piece it's the um it's the going away of as i like to say my first job i wouldn't doesn't exist anymore my first hr right. job doesn't exist anymore i was a you know hr assistant which was basically a clerk, you know, in an HR department, yeah, which yeah, was yeah, like yeah. a clerk. That doesn't exist anymore. You don't need somebody shuffling papers and, you know, whatever. Um, so that that piece is there. And, and so it's um, our job in HR is to start thinking about that. What are the jobs in my organization that are in, that will be made redundant by technology and how do I start preparing for that? And how do I prepare the people? How do I reskill them or upskill them or find something else for them to do? And that could be a person in an organization. That could be you know ten thousand workers that will be affected based on what yep. they're on what they're doing. Minute minute and forty five. So um, we need to we need to wrap up. Um, I'm first of all I want to wish everybody that listened.
this show that has 90 seconds left to go. We want to wish on behalf of, of Robin, Mike, Dwayne, and Crystal, who couldn't make it today, uh, ha- Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, all the holiday seasons. I hope they're all safe and healthy for everyone that's listening. Um, I'm headed to California, and I'll be in Disneyland on Christmas Ooh. Day, I believe, things come together. Uh, what are you doing for Christmas, Robin? I am um, doing absolutely nothing uh, in terms of travel. We're we're going to be home um, and just uh, just hunkering down and and enjoying food and friends and family. Great. Well, we have less than a minute, so we are out of time for this show. We're out of time for this decade, and we're also out of shows for the rest of the year. We're going to take the holiday season <laughs> off. And we'll be back on January 7th with a guest whose name I don't remember off the top of my head, but we'll have a new show on January 7th. Robin, happy holidays, and talk to you soon. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye.